Region, how are we doing tonight? Y'all, if we haven't met yet, my name is Grant Wilkie. I have a new life in Christ, and I am recovering from pride, perfectionism, and this week, fear. Hey, great to be with y'all tonight. I want to start off by sharing a quick story uh, from my freshman year of college. Uh, I was working at a summer camp between my freshman and my sophomore year of college, and my car was in the shop, so I was borrowing my mom's car. Uh, and I drive a Jeep Wrangler, and so I can do some things in my Jeep that I can't normally do in a normal car. Like I'd run around with my doors off, or the roof off, or my leg hanging out. You can do that in a Jeep. You should never do that in a normal car. And so I was driving my mom's Infinity, and when I got home, I parked it. And something you need to know about me, if you've heard me teach up here, I, use, I, I, I talk about this often, but I have an eye condition called stereo blindness, so I don't see in 3D. I actually see in 2D. So I don't have depth perception. And so usually parking is pretty hard for me. So I park my car, my mom's car. I get out and I start walking in and I realize there's about two feet in between my mom's car and the curb. And so I say, you know, I wanna be a good son. I gotta go fix that. I go get back in the door, climb in and by reflex, leave my, do- my leg hanging out of the car. I start pulling up, get close to the curb and I stop, or at least I think I stop, because I put my foot on the pedal and hit, and I think it's the brake, and instead it's the accelerator. I slam forward, door hits the mailbox. Remember, my leg is in between the door and the frame. I crack my leg in half, and it was the most pain, and I've, I've passed four kidney stones, and it was the worst pain I've experienced in my entire life. And in that moment, overwhelming fear, shock, anxiety, everything hit me. At a point, I stopped even experiencing pain. I was just afraid, and I had no idea what was going on. And then I hear a screaming voice sound like Tarzan, and it's my dad running like 150 miles an hour from our front door saying, Grant, what did you do? What did you do? What did you do? And he runs around to the other side. He opens the door. He puts it in reverse. He gets me to safety, puts it back in park, carries me to his truck and takes me to the hospital. And I had no way of getting myself out of that situation. I'm sure I would have calmed down and gotten out of shock eventually, but my dad in his kindness ran out and he saved me from it. I was absolutely overwhelmed and helpless, but I had someone to care for me and to rescue, out of, rescue me out of my own mess. And tonight we'll be continuing our Deja Vu series. Our series on God's redemptive plan and redemptive love shown throughout history. And time again, time again, throughout the Old Testament, we see God do the same exact thing. He steps up to the plate and he saves his people. We'll be running through the story of David and Goliath tonight. And many of you guys have probably heard this story throughout your lives. It's a story of little David and big bad boy Goliath. Uh, but there's so much more in this story than just a fairy tale. Uh, So to jump in tonight, I want to give you guys some helpful context. Uh, In the Old Testament, God chooses a group of people to call his own, and he calls them Israel. And he says, hey, Israel, I'm going to set you apart. You're going to be holy, which means different. You are going to be set apart and different from the entire world. And I'm going to be your king, and you will be my people. And this arrangement goes really well between God and Israel for a little while. But then Israel says they don't want God as their king anymore. And instead, they don't want to be set apart and holy and different. They want to be just like the pagan nations around them. 
They don't want God as their king, but instead they want a human as their king. So God gives them a king, and then things start to unravel like that. They get a king named Saul, and very quickly they get invaded by one of their neighboring nations. And I think it's really interesting because, you know, Israel wanted to be just like their neighboring nations. They wanted a king just like them, but as soon as they start being like them, they get invaded, and God removes his hand of protection over them. And I think that in this story, we will see that God, though he was protecting them, in this, the story of David and Goliath, he is showing them the consequences of their rebellion, and he's also reminding this rebellious Israel who their real king is. So we'll go ahead and jump right in, 1 Samuel 17. In this, uh, through the first nine verses, we see the setup of an invasion of the Philistines coming in and invading Israel. It says they're actually in the land of Judah and invading, which means that God's people are losing the promised land. They're not just fighting to, to invade other countries and expand their kingdom. They're actually fighting to save their own kingdom. They've been invaded. And in this war, the Philistines elect a champion named Goliath to go forward and fight for them. And so Goliath comes on the battlefield and he says in verse 10, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. So from the get-go and from the surrounding descriptions, we see that Goliath is brave, he's strong, and he's a big, bad man. You gotta imagine this man is a total unit and looks like Arnold, pre-governor of California, Schwarzenegger. Like, I'm talking Terminator Arnold Schwarzenegger. He is massive. And he, he looks big in this picture, and there are, there are some better pictures of him looking massive online, but he's literally wearing only, like, boxer shorts, and I didn't think that was a great idea. And <laughs> for many reasons. Uh, but Goliath, all of his strength is focused on two things. Listen again. This day I defy the armies of Israel, of God's people, Give me a man, let us fight each other. Goliath's strength is focused on two things and two things alone. Number one, discrediting God. And number two, destroying God's people. And in response to this claim from Goliath, this invitation to fight, Israel steps up and they fight him. That's actually not what happens at all. In verse 11, Israel, it says of Israel, uh, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites, Saul their king and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So Goliath walks on the stage, he challenges them and all of them cower back and shrink back in fear. Absolutely nothing. So we see that Israel needs help and uh, God will start to deliver this help in a really unexpected way. There's this man named Jesse who's the father of some of these soldiers in the Israelite army and he sends his youngest son, a shepherd boy, David, to come to the battlefield to deliver some provisions for his kids. And while David is here, he hears this challenge from Goliath and he sees all the armies of Israel cowering in fear. And David is this boy. Uh, There's estimates that David was eight years old. There's estimates that David was 16 years old. But all to say, David was a little boy or a teenager. And all of these men in this army are cowering back. But David steps up and he says, I will be Israel's champion. I will go fight on behalf of Israel. And his grounding is not in his own strength. He's a little kid, but his grounding is because he believes that God is who God says he is. 
And so David goes out to this battlefield and we get this picture of David standing on one side and Goliath standing on the other side. And David, in the same way that Goliath challenged the armies of Israel, David gives a challenge to Goliath. And in verse 45, he says, Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So we know how this battle goes. Goliath runs forward with his big sword, and David takes one stone, and he shoots it, hits Goliath right in the forehead, and Goliath drops. He goes and beheads Goliath, holds up his head, screaming. I mean, that's pretty gross. I mean, that's the stories that are in the Old Testament. He's holding up Goliath's head and challenges the Philistines. And just like Israel was cowering in fear, so too did the Philistines run and cower in fear from the Israelite army. And this is obviously a really exciting and awesome story. And I think the main reason that our hearts are drawn to it is because we all love a good underdog story. I mean, I know I love a good underdog story. I love Rudy. I love Karate Kid. I love Shrek. I I had my anniversary last night and we actually watched Shrek and it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I love that movie so much. And we all want to see the bad guy get beat down and we all want to see the nerd get the girl. But while this story on its face looks like an underdog story, it's not actually an underdog story in any way. That's not what's happening here. This isn't an underdog story because David is a hero. David is not an underdog in this fight. He symbolizes something so much bigger than himself. The story isn't about David and Goliath themselves. It's a story about good and evil. It's a story about God and Satan, God and evil in this world, fighting over God's people. It's a story that holds a powerful place in God's redemptive history throughout the Old Testament. And we, when we look at the story and we see two primary actors, we see David and Goliath, there's one assumption that we have. It's, okay, I'm David, and God is going to use me to do mighty things in this world. And so I have to go fight the Goliaths in my life, whether it's my circumstances or my sin. I have to go and conquer this world for God because I'm David. And when we think that, we miss the entire point of this story because there's actually a third party involved, and it's Israel. We see Israel, and Israel is fearful and cowering in fear from their enemy Goliath, and they are anxious. And not only do they lack the ability to fight against Goliath, but they lack even the willingness or the desire to fight against Goliath. They cower in fear from him, and all they could do was wait to be destroyed by God's enemy. Because in their mind, the giant had become bigger than their God. Their view of God was so tiny that they thought God would bring them to the promised land and then abandon them to be destroyed by their neighboring nations. You see, God's people had started to lose the promised land. God's people were dominated by their fear of Goliath and not by anything he had actually done. God's people overestimated their enemy. And this is our story. I know it's my story because when my view of God shrinks, I know that the enemy wins. When I choose to focus on my own helplessness rather than asking God for help, 
I know that Satan will win the battle a hundred times out of a hundred. And when I cower in fear of my enemy, rather than claiming victory in Christ over him, Satan wins every single time. And this is my story. We lose ground that God has already won for us because we let darkness spread in this world and in our hearts. We live in fear of the enemy, and so we don't speak up on our convictions, and we surely don't live them out. And we hear Satan's lies more clearly, just like Goliath screaming, I defy you, God. I defy you, armies of Israel. We hear Satan speaking whispers of lies into our ears, and we don't fight back. And we hear them so clearly, and so we take them as truth. And we apply them to our lives like we should apply God's truth to our lives. You see, Israel needed a champion to rescue them. They were fearful, and they were cowardly, and they were weak. And so am I, and so are we. Israel needed a champion. And the story of David and Goliath matters today because deja vu, it's our story. It's the story of a nation crying out for God to help them. It's a nation for God stepping in to help his people even when they don't even know what to say. They don't even know what to do. They don't even know how to move forward. You see, David is just simply a foreshadowing of Christ for us. David was the champion of Israel and he rescued God's people from Goliath and his army. And Jesus is the champion of Christians, of Christians throughout all of history. And Jesus rescues God's people from Satan and his army. You see, David represented his people in triumph and battle and triumph over Goliath. And so too does Jesus represent us in his trial on the cross and his triumph over sin and death. And David was sent to the war by his father to support his brothers. And Jesus was sent to war on this earth by his father to come and save his brothers. And David was mocked and rejected by those he came to save. And so too was Jesus persecuted and killed by the brothers he came to save. And David relied not on his own might or his own power, but on the word of God to sustain him. And Jesus drew all of his power from the Father from beginning to end. You see, David went to fight Goliath, confident that God would do what he said he would do, deliver his people. That's a commitment that God had made to the Israelites. And David was confident in it. And Jesus went to the cross, confident that God would resurrect him to triumph over death, just like he promised to do. See, Goliath is our enemy, and he seeks to discredit and destroy God's people. And David is this picture we have in the Old Testament of Christ, the champion of us all, the champion of God's people, of me and of you, who would put his life on the line to defeat his enemy. And all we are is Israel. We are Israel, weak and unable to fight this battle on our own. But with our champion, we are strong and we are secure and we are ready for every battle. And so for this and for you, the way you apply this to your life is not by charging into battle and thinking that you're David and that you can win God's fights on his own on your own. Uh, the way that we apply this to our lives is by believing that God will do what he says he will do. He will be our champion. So you can just trust that God will do what he has always done and what he has promised to do. 
He will redeem and restore his people. That's a promise from God. He is our champion. He will help us. So if you feel overwhelmed and afraid in your lives, cry out to your champion, Jesus. If you feel anxious and worried and hopeless, cry out to your champion, Jesus. If you feel like you cannot find victory in your life, cry out to your champion, Jesus. And if you feel bitter and anxious and hopeless and angry and tired and at the end of yourself, cry out to your champion, Jesus, who loves to save you and who's just trying to tell you that you don't have to save yourself. He will fight your battles for you. And remember the central truth of this story. In verse 47, David says, it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you, Goliath, and all of God's enemy into our hands. And while this story isn't really about sin, it's about God conquering his enemies, I think it has huge implications for the way that we fight sin in our own lives. Because when we don't call out to God for our cha- as our champion, we have no hope of deliverance, no hope of victory. And Satan, our Goliath, God's true enemy, he wants to get in your head and paralyze you with fear and make you think that God doesn't want to help you. He will feed you lie after lie after lie after lie. And when you listen to him, this fear will incapacitate you, just like me with my leg in between my car door and the car frame. It will lead you to cope by shutting down and numbing and going into shock. So my question for you, Regen, is how do you cope? Where do you turn when things get hard? I have a lot going on in my life right now. I've recently been uh, presented with a huge decision to make over the next, uh, a few days ago, it was 14 days, but over the next 10 days now. And I found it really, really hard to even consider this decision, to even think about it, to even step up to the plate. And as I've tried to process why it's hard for me to even get into a mental place where I can think, it's because I think deep down what I'm believing about myself and God is that God has brought me here, but that he won't show me the way forward. And I'm afraid. And I'm afraid to put myself out there and I'm afraid to make the wrong decision. And so I've let myself be paralyzed by fear in so many ways. And I know I'm supposed to cry out to my champion for help, but over this past few days, region, I haven't. And it's weighing heavy on my soul. So that's my story. I'm still struggling with fear right now. And what I'd ask you is, what about you? Where do you turn when things get hard? Do you emotionally turn off to hide from your problems? Or when things get hard, do you turn to pornography so you can cope with your crumbling marriage? Or do you lash out in anger at your family or belittle your coworkers or let anxiety crush your soul when things get scary? Cry out to your champion, Jesus. And it's not that Goliath isn't scary or that our problems aren't real because they are real and Goliath is scary. But when we see God for who he is in the awe and brilliance of his almighty power, when we see God as he is, we see the Goliath and Satan is just a playground bully trying to back us into a corner and make us think, that our teacher, our mom, and our friends are not there with us. Do not listen to his lies. Cry out to your champion, Abba, Father, help me. (laughs) Thank you.
And tonight, you guys are going to hear an amazing testimony, an amazing story uh, from one of our own named Fabiola, uh, who has chosen to put her trust in Jesus Christ as her champion, who said, I'm going to stop fighting my own battles, and instead, I'm going to choose to let Jesus do it for me. So, y'all join me in welcoming up Fabiola. Fabiola. 